Hi, my name is Panta Kalhor and you're listening to Transition by Panta Kalhor Podcast. I created this platform to help you grow and move forward easier through your transition, whether in parenthood, job transition, healing journey, or starting a brand new life. Episode 91, Green Healing Show, reducing the most toxic disease causing chemical on the planet with Dr. Keisha Evers, integrative medicine expert and doctor of sexology, psychotherapist, herbalist, and functional medicine practitioner. Please subscribe to Panta Kalhor Transition channel in YouTube and order my book Naturally Conceived through Amazon. Get pregnant by unleashing your reproductive power. Good afternoon for whoever in Toronto, live live in Toronto and uh, other people. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, I don't know. So today we have an amazing guest with the Green Healing Show, another beautiful day and another beautiful guest. We are with Dr. Keisha, and she's actually doing, she's a doctor of sexology, herbalist, and certified functional medicine, and founder of Academy for Integrative Medicine. Welcome to my show, Oh, Keisha. thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right. Uh, so tell me about what yourself first. Why did you end up? doing uh, what you're doing right now i know you've been a medical doctor before and right now uh, you're actually doing the integrative medicine why did why do you do this how i mean what was your inspiration to get you to this field so i have never been a medical doctor just to make that clear uh i started out as a as a registered nurse. And then I was in, I worked in the ICU and very um, trauma oriented places in the hospital, you know, and did that for a long time, had four children. This was all through my twenties. And then when I was about 30 years old, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And that was a a big shift in my (laughs) (laughs) in my whole life. And I always tell people like you, you know, your show is green healing. I would not have known a, an herb if it had bitten me. I like, I was completely Western, you know, conventional American medicine that I practiced, you know, as a nurse. And then when I got sick, I started looking, um, I had gone to a rheumatologist. She had diagnosed me, diagnosed me with RA She'd given me two prescriptions. One was for uh, methotrexate. Another was for a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. And then she said, when you get worse, come back. Not if, but when. <laughs> and I thought, well, hang on, hang on. I eat really well. I make all my own food. I run. I'm, I'm very, very healthy. Is there anything else I can do? You know. And she said, no, no, this is your genetics because you told me you had autoimmune disease in your family history. And I had, my grandfather died at my age that I am right now uh, with rheumatoid arthritis at the age of 56. And he was in a wheelchair for a long time. And so I thought, well, you know, I I went home and I I started researching on the internet on PubMed where we keep our medical research. 
And I found an article on yoga and autoimmune disease. So the next day I went to my very first yoga class. And in the process of that class, the teacher mentioned this word that I'd never heard before, Ayurveda. And I, <laughs> I thought- Yeah, I, I never heard about this too. I've seen it in Yeah, what is it? Ayurveda, Ayurvedic medicine, the sister science of yoga from India, you know, 10,000 years old from the Vedas. And so I thought, oh, he said just enough. Like Ayurveda says that autoimmune disease is undigested anger. And digestion of emotions and feelings was something I had never, ever thought about. Like, oh, I thought we just digested our food, you know? And so I started thinking about that, like, am I, do I have anger I haven't digested though? And then I realized I didn't really process anger. I didn't, I was always sweet. Like I had anger, but it was coated over with sweetness. And I thought, oh, there must be something to this. And so I started learning how to meditate. I started practicing yoga. And one day in my meditation, I started seeing the word autoimmune, like it was just dancing in front of me. And I thought about the word autoimmune and I thought, my goodness, that means I'm attacking myself. I'm committing suicide basically in a societally acceptable manner. When is it that I first wanted to die? Which was an interesting question because at that time I didn't want to die. I had four little kids. I really love my life. And so as I started going backwards in my memories, I landed on this little 10-year-old girl version of myself who was being sexually abused by the vice principal of the elementary school that I attended. And I thought, oh, she wanted to die. She really did. Like, she didn't understand what was going on. She couldn't get anyone to really listen to her. And so... I thought, you know what, I'll bet this disease process that I have today has something to do with this. And it turns out science tells us it does. And as soon as I started really working on the trauma from my past, six months later, my RA was gone. So it was very, very fascinating to really start to conceptualize this idea that the mind and the body are so connected first of all that was new for me <laughs> right yeah and then secondly that to really start taking responsibility for the meanings and the beliefs that i had made up in response to my trauma when i was a child and it turns out everybody has had trauma it it may not be capital t trauma you know with with uh, the things that we think about when we hear the word trauma, like physical and, and domestic violence and emotional, psychological and spiritual and sexual abuse, neglect and abandonment, like all of these things would be considered capital T trauma. Like if you had a parent or a caregiver that was addicted to a substance or incarcerated or mentally ill or divorced or dead, like these are all big traumas, right? But then we also have the what I call the little little T traumas. And those are the ones that are, well, if we were to fill out a perceived stress scale and we think of ourselves as overwhelmed all the time, actually that's a little T trauma. Any experience that we've had of feeling rejected or betrayed or not good enough or not smart enough, not fast enough, not beautiful enough, whatever it is, right? 
then those moments are categorized in the brain as also traumatic. So, and right now we're living in this global trauma. So there's, there's a lot happening around this word trauma that's important to understand, like what causes the toxicity in the physical system as a result of it. You know, I, I really relate to what you're saying because I was a PTSD coach that, and the reason was I, I had some PTSD and I didn't know that because, oh. uh, yeah, somebody robbed my car, attacked me with the knife point, you know, and that accident actually affected whole my life. Oh. <laughs> and from that point, I just realized if I don't process this trauma, it, it will affect my other aspect of my health as well, right? So I started processing it, and then uh, then I had, when I processed it, then I had my fertility problem, <laughs> uh, yeah. some issue with the fertility, and I yeah. then realized if you, just a little burden of negative emotion, if you, as you said, rejected, or if you have fears, these kind of burdens always kill you. <laughs> and then uh, the yeah. connection between mind and body is going to be uh, disconnected. And uh, then you get some uh, disease like autoimmune disease that you even you are not aware of because a lot of people have it with them and they right. don't know what they why they have it and where it comes from. And I know people with chronic disease, they have it for 23 years or 23 years, and they have the same medication and are not feeling well. And I'm asking okay. myself, why are you doing this? This medication, because it's a temporary relief from their pain, and that's why they are taking it. Because right. if they don't take it, they feel pain and they don't know what to, to do with this. But this functional medicine really help. I mean, I'm seeing right now that it helps a lot of people with chronic disease, especially when you have some um, emotional trauma in childhood. Yes, it's so important. And, you know, um, I teach for the Institute for Functional Medicine and I teach doctors how to really understand the impact of trauma on the adrenal glands and the rest of the hormone system and then how that affects the microbiome and, you know, the immune system. And one of the things I talk about when I'm, when I'm on stage is, you know, you can't tell your patients to reduce their stress. That doesn't exactly. work, right? Like if somebody might have a special needs child or they're caregiving an elderly parent or they have a job that they love, but it's still stressful. You know, you don't you don't say reduce your stress. You change your relationship to your stress. Exactly. I mean, you know, yeah. Instead of thinking of it as stress, like like my work, I always I always tell people I'm one of the busiest people that I know. And yet I don't feel stressed at all by it because I know I'm living my life purpose and I'm in the flow of being an instrument in the hands of God, you know? So it's like, there's, there's no perceived stress in there. And so that's, that's really important to, to bring in is it really doesn't matter how much stress you have. It's how you relate to it and how you interpret it and think about it. Because, you know, 
<clears throat> why people then then something happened they say oh you must have a stress but the meaning of a stress is not really uh, defined you know mm -hmm. so they say, maybe i'm angry maybe i'm emotionally um, have some negative uh, vision or you know so that's why the stress is not really um, explained to people you know because i know when you have fertility issues you go to doctor and they said uh, oh it might be a stress this is not enough so so what do you do exactly when somebody come to you and have, uh, let's say, some chronic disease? What do you exactly do? Do you start with testing or do you go to their personal history? Both, actually. I, I do both at the same time. And I do something called, um, that I term, uh, I wrote about it in my book, Solving the Autoimmune Puzzle. And I think about each of us as, as our own unique individual puzzle. No two, like, no two people are the same. No two fingerprints are the same. We're, we're all very different. And so we have to really understand, like, I do a very thorough history. Like, what, how do you tell your story is very important when I'm assessing. And then I also want to know what your body's trying to tell us. And so we do a series of functional medicine tests, depending on what's happening for you at the same time. And then that's the way of asking the body to speak up also. And, you know, functional medicine testing differs from conventional medicine because conventional medicine testing is looking for a disease process and functional medicine testing is looking to see how close you are to a disease process so we can turn you around and go the other direction. And it looks more for that root cause of what's happening underneath it all. But one of the things that, like, then when I'm treating somebody, I don't, you know, I actually don't like what I call green allopathy, where we're just doing supplements, right? I actually think 25% of any solution is going to be through food. 25% will probably be supplements. The 50% is what's going on here. You know, how you're perceiving yourself, your story, your history, your future, like yourself in the context of your life with everybody that you're interrelated with. All of that is a very big uh, factor for your health and wellness. And it's interesting in your topic, you say that's the most, uh, what did I say? Most toxic. The most toxic. Yeah. Causing chemical is what I, I think of resentment as the the most toxic chemical. You know, we think about like all of the chemicals that are manufactured by big corporations and dumped into the air and the water and the soil, and they are very harmful and they're killing our planet and we're doing it, we're destroying ourselves. But at the same time, even more toxic than that is the chemical that we create inside of us and then we make ourselves bathe in it like little hot tubs inside of resentment and we get sick from that you know and one of the things that i don't know there's a chinese proverb that says don't forgive you dig two graves instead of just one <laughs> you know um i think mark twain was credited but with saying uh if you don't forgive then you actually it's like you're eating rat poison and expecting the other guy to die so I think these are all really important sayings that have been said throughout history because it isn't just 
me who has noticed that, you know, it's been people from thousands of years ago that resentment is such a terrible toxic chemical. And if we hold it inside of us, then it's affecting everything from, from cellular level, level out. So. Exactly, yes. And, um, you know, I had, I was talking to one of the, one of my friends, she's acupuncturist. And she said, uh, all of the angers and whatever emotion you have related to one part of your body. Uh, let's say you may have liver issue, you may have uh, some other uh, visceral issues inside. So you have to find out. So if somebody ang is angry, I, I don't overreact to what he, see, what he does. I just try to find the problem with, uh, with his disease. <laughs> so all the emotions related to some uh, some um, something that you don't feel comfortable inside. Yes. It's very, very true. And different people, you know, I know Louise Hay did a book a long time ago no, before no, she died no. around this. You know, um, there's another book called The Body Speaks. And, you know, like different people have mapped where different parts of the body can become affected by emotions. But, you know, again, 10,000 years ago, Ayurvedic medicine mapped it, it, this really interesting way of thinking about this in, in that they said, we are more than our physical bodies. We actually have five layers to us, the pancha koshas. So we have our physical body, which is always called the anamaya kosha in Sanskrit. And then we have the, the pranamaya kosha, our energy body. And then those bodies, keep, we go emotional, mental. And then we have what they call the anandamaya kosha, which is also called the bliss sheath or wow. god god layer and it's what carl jung in western psychology thought about as the portal to our collective unconscious as humans and that all wisdom and all knowledge is contained there and when we are meditating that's what we're aiming for we're aiming for that place right and it's where we we get to when we have been meditating for a long time but we don't have access to that 24 seven if we're toxic in any of the other layers. So, you know, the, the pranamaya kosha or the um, energy body that's right next to our physical structure is actually connected to our emotions through the chakra system. And, you know, people often will think yoga practitioners have been taught that there are these seven chakras, right? Wherever the spinal afer and efer nervous system bundles cross there's this big wheel of energy there but actually there are many more chakras than just that uh, in mm -hmm. fact you could think of 72,000 of them wherever the nerves cross right in the acu world of acupuncture they're very familiar with us yes, but yes but in in the pancha koshas why this is important is because that nervous system that populates our physical structure actually is out here connecting our emotions and our mind to our bodies and so whatever is going on that has toxicity in the mind and emotional layer in our manamaya kosha that actually will determine how we express our genetics and our immune system and, and how balanced our hormones and our adrenals are and our gut microbiome and whether or not we can heal our leaky gut or not you know like all of these things are directly 
connected through our nervous system and our nervous system reactivity pathways are set up when we're children very very early in response to the different events that we go through and so you know let's say one day you were in class and there was a spelling bee and you you missed one of the words in front of the whole class and they laughed you know every child will be different about how they react to that and so if one child might have thought oh well you know and sat down another one might have gone into this huge deal about it you know and and then made up a meaning that it's not safe to be up in front of people and mess up and then they would they would create an adaptive behavior response this comes from my doctoral work in 2013 called the healing unresolved trauma study so what happens is we first have an event then we have a feeling whether it's hurt or shame or anger or sadness or fear panic and that will be felt in the body somewhere and then we set up a nervous system response to that feeling so if it's like for sexual abuse for me at the age of 10 every time the intercom would go off in the corner of my fifth grade classroom i would go straight into a panic response even though it, every, every time the intercom went off it wasn't because i was getting called to the vice principal's office it was to, to the secretary to make announcements or to say the pledge of allegiance you know but every single time like pavlov's dog I would go straight into the freeze response. Most children go into a freeze response, not fight or flight, because they're not autonomous beings and they're not, they don't have any power, so what they freeze. What is this stage again? <clears throat> what is what? What is this stage again? Can you explain more? Stage, what do you mean? You said not uh, fight and flight, but another stage for children. Yeah, yeah what so, is so we always think about sympathetic nervous system arousal as fight, flight, freeze, or faint. But children don't fight or flee because we don't have any power. We're not autonomous, right? So usually children freeze. And so that's usually the response children have is to freeze, not to fight, not to flee. Well, you know, when they're, and so for me, that panic got frozen into my body because I would freeze, right? And then the meaning that you make up is the most important part of all of this. So when I'm doing therapy with people, they'll think, do I have to go back and relive all these things? And I always say, no, not at all. What you're really doing is doing what I call tracking your hurt, where you're finding out what was the meaning you made up about that event. And then what's the belief that you carry forward into adulthood about yourself in response to that? And then what's the behavior that your little child mind, because remember our children, our child brains are not fully developed till we're 26 years old. We don't have a prefrontal cortex fully developed till we're 26, you know? And so we have a lot coming from that limbic system, the amygdala, right? All of that, that alarm and harm system. So, when you think about it that way, then you, you can think like, oh, a lot of my beliefs and my behaviors have been patterned by an upset child who didn't have a fully developed brain yet. So in adulthood, what happens is we have these challenges that will, you know, like maybe a disease process or maybe a divorce or maybe, I don't know, whatever big challenging thing that you have, right? 
And it's an opportunity to start relooking at some of your meanings, beliefs, and behaviors so that you can heal that little kid that made those decisions. And that's really, that's the only way that it'll stick is to really reattach to your own self and your own little inner child part so that they can feel like, oh, they're being supported and held by you. So. You know, in my book, Naturally Conceived, which I just published, uh, I also have one ch chapter about childhood trauma and uh, hormone imbalance. That's so interesting how uh, childhood trauma can uh, just create lots of mess in your body. <laughs> yes. And you're not aware of it because a lot of people hide those traumas and they think that is um, they can they just neglect about it they just ignore it they don't know that can affect their body because they don't actually process it that's why they still have hormone imbalance they still have lots of medication you know that's that's interesting so we we're gonna have like few second break and we come back again Please subscribe to Panta Kalhor Transition Channel and order my book Naturally Conceived through Amazon. Thank you for watching. Um, Keisha, uh, I know you ha you are a founder of Functional Medicine or Integrative Academy of Integrative Medicine. So tell me about integrative medicine just for my audience because this term, everybody hear about this term, but they don't know exactly. Is it about the functional medicine or you actually combine the acupuncture or other hairball, um, hairballist, uh, hairball or other stuff to it? Yeah, integrative is a different term than functional. And the reason that I use it is because I'm integrating um, my conventional you know, nursing background with my board certification in functional medicine and my board certification in Ayurvedic medicine and my training in psychotherapy and energy work and yoga. And then I'm also a certified conscious dying doula so I, and, and herbalist. So I pull all of that together and it informs my medical practice. So it's integrative in the way that it brings all of those parts, like all of those bodies, you know, right? The mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the physical together so that it's it's treating somebody as a whole system in the context of their history and their story and their environment, um, not just in isolated systems in the body. So how people can find this program? I see. That's your website, drkisha.com. Can they mm -hmm. find yeah, so there's a, um, I train people to do what I do as integrative medicine health coaches. And there's a tab on my website on drkeisha.com called certification. And it's a six month online program. And we do live case study calls once a week. And uh, it's it, it combines the emotional healing with the functional medicine and the Ayurvedic medicine pieces. Beautiful. So do you have your book with you? My book with me? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, no, I'm not sitting on my desk right now. I don't. Downstairs, I do. <laughs> I wish you could talk about it with us. Yes. Uh, so solving the autoimmune puzzle. I'm just going to see. Yeah, I don't have one right next to me. Um, solving the autoimmune puzzle is the name of the book, and it's it goes through the freedom framework, which is what I developed to really see everybody as an individual puzzle and treat whatever's going on. And so the freedom framework is if you if you have a puzzle and you look at the outside of the box and you just love and you say, oh, I want to put this puzzle together. You take the lid off and you dump all those pieces out. The first thing that you're going to do when you're looking to put together a puzzle is to turn over all of the pieces and look for the corners, the four corner pieces and all the edges, right? So that you have a frame. And so this framework that I use involves these four corner pieces that we work with at the same time as each other. So in other words, genetics is one of the corner pieces. Everybody has their own unique genetics. That's why there's never one size fits all. The second corner piece is going to be digestive health. Anybody with autoimmune disease has leaky gut. So we really have to deal with that digestive piece. Who's living in there? How bad is the leaky gut? What is the immune system doing in response to food you're eating? The third corner piece of the puzzle is toxic burden and load. And that's going to be different for each person. So different people will be exposed to molds or Lyme or Epstein-Barr virus, but then also the toxic thoughts in their own heads. So those also are toxins. And then we have our own willingness to rid ourselves of those toxins and our body's ability to detox. That's all going to be unique for each person. And then the fourth corner piece of the puzzle is trauma. And, you know, healing past trauma, also looking at patterns of stress coping in adulthood and how they're related to, again, those meanings and beliefs from childhood and behaviors that were, you know, developed by the wise mind of the child that may, may not be working for the adult. Then we want to get the edges filled in. And there are four edges to this puzzle. The first one is the um, uncover the, the root causes. And we look in the body, the mind, the heart, the spirit, and the story. And the, we kind of discussed that earlier. And then the upper edge is going to be confronting the lab data. And it's not just the functional medicine laboratory testing, but also what your body's trying to tell you. Like, what does your tongue look like? What do your bowel movements look like? What do your nails look like? How's your hair? How's your skin? What's your energy level when you wake up in the morning? Uh, what's your libido level? You know, all of these things are very, very important. And then the third edge piece of that puzzle is connecting the dots between your lifestyle choices and those that data that your body's trying to give you. And so when we get sick, our, our bodies have been trying to tell us something's wrong for a really long time, but we're not often trained to really listen to the language of the body when it's very quiet. And so mm -hmm. it's learning how to do that and tune in. And then the last bottom edge piece of the puzzle is to create the life that you really want with intention instead of these default settings from childhood. Um, you know, like an example of a default setting is like told you about my childhood trauma and then what the behavior that I chose because my vice principal was telling it, me it was my fault that this was happening was that I had to be perfect to even survive. And so perfectionism became one of my driving forces, you know, at the age of 10. And I would 
drove myself to perfection for 20 years until I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And then when I dove in and I really started to do this work, it only took me six months to reverse my RA and I've never had it again, even though it's in my genetics and I never did have to take meds. So it was just a willingness to really get in there and discover what were the things that my little child brain decided that are not working in current day and why, you know, like, why am I trying to kill myself off, you know, from those? And so really, really starting to shift and, and heal those. Wow. Wow. You know, the most important experience you have in your life, let's say about the healing, it helps your patient uh, to trust you more. Let's say um, you had those problems and because you already tackled those problems, when you talk to your patient, they can believe you. And uh, functional medicine is a very interesting yeah, medicine. I mean, I'm not saying, yes, it's medicine kind of. And then uh, because it goes through the root cause of all the issues and uh, try to connect everything from even from your gut, from your uh, emotions, so everything through those layers you talk about. You said, yeah, it's not only physical layer, it's not only spiritual layer, you have five layers, right? So that's so interesting to understand that your body as a whole should always perform uh, in order to be healthy. So if there is something missing there, so you have to find that missing piece of puzzle. Right, exactly. Yeah. And it's all going to be different for each one of us. So exactly. Really learning yeah. how to individualize that puzzle too. Exactly. I like it because everybody, like my clients, uh, tell me, what is the diet I should take? Well, yes, you can actually tell everybody, yeah, eat some healthy food, blah, blah, blah. But maybe some diets is not good for some other people. Maybe exactly. they have exactly other underlying issues that they shouldn't even eat those kind of even healthy food that's because, why i uh, do genetic testing on 100 percent of my patients because genetics actually tell us what are those foods you know and um not and i also do food sensitivity testing to see what your immune system is responding against and the combination of the information from food sensitivity testing and genetic testing really helps to keep, I call it putting the bumpers up on the bowling lane so the ball doesn't go in the gutter, right? We want to make sure that that's, that's not happening. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us. We really learned so many things from you and I wish you best. For, yeah, it's my for pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much.